0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Rugby League Back Chat. We've had yet another busy week in the world of rugby league and to talk us through it we have three very very special guests starting with Jodie Cunningham St Helens player for the women's super league side Gary Heverington the chief executive of Leeds Rhinos and Martin Sadler the editor of League Express well Gary given that we've got you here I think it would be a miss if we didn't start on Thursday night quite the epic game I think it has to be said golden point a victory in the end you made hard work of it I guess you were just very relieved at the end that you didn't throw that victory away
1: yeah, absolutely, uh, we know were desperate for a win before the game and uh, know that uh, playing against Castleford is always a special game and uh, I think last year's game uh, between the two teams went to 25-24 uh, and uh, yeah, just as close again.
0: Martin, golden point, it's the second time we've seen it. I think we haven't had it go past one set yet but nevertheless... And that was an unforgettable moment,
2: wasn't it? <laughs> well, I'm not really a great fan of the Golden Point, or I haven't been, but you'd be an absolute fool not to say that that was tremendous. You know, it was a magnificent... Uh, enter the game and of course David Ferner made it really didn't he let's face it Every, I think everybody in the country probably knows now who David Ferner is you know he'll be coming in asking for a pay rise Gary before too long <laughs> I would have no, thought no I'm in asking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the, the the only thing I regret about it was that the cameras didn't show Gary as well because I think we might have seen exactly the same thing if you it would not know there yeah. Gary yeah, well, Gary bad. what exactly
0: was your reaction when Brad Dwyer decided yeah, to go for a drop goal I
1: did make a comment at the time as the ball were going to him which was uh, uh, to the effect of, why on earth is the ball going to brand? <laughs> Expressed a bit more strongly, probably. The last probably. Bloke you'd, ex- you'd want it to go to, never dropped a goal in his life. Uh, but he does tell me now, in hindsight, that he has uh, been a religious practiser of goals, <laughs> he was waiting for the moment. And of course, every dog is his day, and his opportunity came, and of course, uh, he took it extraordinarily well. So George, I see
2: you knocked on your door, Gary, for
0: more money as well. Well, no, but once again. Jodie, <laughs> 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 yeah, on, a, on a serious note, I, look, Golden Point, it was a, a big discussion whether we should bring it in or not. There are the purists who like the drawing, it's very understandable why, but it was brought into manufacture moments and it did that so what's your take on having the golden point
3: yeah and i think rugby league great because it will try new things i think that's one of the, the benefits of our sport is that we do try new things to try and make it as appealing as possible to spectators and, and, and the fans that watch at home and we spoke about earlier i think I, I like the golden point i think it's exciting and anyone who watched that game you can't deny that was that was great television and i think these may be adaptions that can be made so we spoke about There should be some sort of A point that you can get for having the draw, so each team gets a point for getting to draw at eighty minutes. I think the question is:
2: Is it fair for Castleford to end up with nothing when
3: they got a draw for eighty minutes? For eighty minutes, they were as good as Leeds, so they should get a point out of that game. Mm. But then, an additional. Actually, it was an interesting
1: game because I think the Rhinos were the best team certainly in the first half, and then we had a period in the second half where Castleford was certainly superior. It it ebbed and flowed in that regard. But yeah, I I agree. I think I think there is a, a draw is a fair result. But I think uh, you know what could be considered is after 80 minutes both teams get one point, mm-hmm. and then they're both yeah. playing for the extra points. Like yeah. which that. may I or may one addition. team may or may not get, and I think that retains the same level of excitement, yeah. but actually does uh, provide a some recognition for the t- for the, the 80 minute result. Pretty but pretty.
2: I said in, in in League Express that maybe we should move to a situation where we award three points for a, to, to, to to the winner of a Super League game, but then two points for the team that wins by golden points. And one point to the team that loses by golden point. Obviously zero to a team that loses. So what if yeah. it's a golden point? Then what well, happens? I think you could you, you could potentially devise a way for making sure, a bit like a penalty shootout. You know, maybe a drop goal shootout or something that would ultimately to lead to a result. always yeah. a bit more that complex work. when yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 <And> <laughs> Well, maybe you've yeah. got to think about like last year. If you went off that system, can you imagine how many points ahead Saints would have been? The the league would have been done quite, yeah, quite early true. on because of the three points yeah, how often point. our golden point realistically we've had two so far is it Yeah. so yeah. realistically in a season the effect that that would have you'd maybe have the season done and dusted quite early on it's an interesting point yeah. is that yeah. if you did three mm. points yeah. just, that's just something I think would maybe mm-hmm. contrast that but I like the idea of, yeah, sort yeah. of a, a division of
0: yeah. points uh, Gary on Leeds it's been a, a tough start to the season I think everyone has used the word or the phrase transitional period how have have you assessed what's gone down for the Rhinos so far in 2019?
1: Uh, yeah, really disappointing start, obviously, for us. We were full of optimism and confidence about the, the new season. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the team and the squad is going through a transitional period. Um, we know we, That's not an excuse, and we, we've got to be careful that we don't continue. The, how long does the transition last? But having had a new coach in David Ferner, the new coach always inherits the previous coach's squad. Mm-hmm. So inevitably there will be some change, and that change does take some time. Uh, and that's the transitional part that we're going through mm-hmm. now and will continue to go through as well. But nevertheless, uh, you know, to find ourselves with just one win after eight games was particularly disappointing. Uh, and, uh, and that's really in many ways the uh, nature of this year's competition. Such a tough competition and uh, every team can beat everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, Warrington and St Helens have started the strongest uh, and may well finish the strongest as well. They're both in pretty good shape. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, you know, ebb and flow throughout the course of the season and everybody's got a chance of beating somebody else and there's no surprises anymore.
2: I think the thing is, Gary, that you've played nine games now and got, got two wins, but you've only had three home games and you've had six yeah. away games. And, and actually, if you looked at the start of the season at your early season games, you, you were visiting teams like Warrington, St Helens, Wigan. Yeah. Most people would have probably predicted that you wouldn't have won those games anyway. I mean, it's been a distorted season for you because you've it had is, so yeah. many away games. And yeah. and the fact is, I mean, crazy as it may look, you're only four points outside the no, places yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, you know, people, the, the, there tends to be an overreaction these days I think to, to defeats it's always an absolute cri- the same with you and Wigan you know, yeah, it's a cr- you. you lose a couple of games and yeah. it, it's an absolute crisis yeah. isn't
3: it yeah. and it's the same season. you've just lost a couple of couple games, games. Yeah. Warrington had a terrible start last
1: season uh, yeah, and yeah. went on and, and they, you know, they, did, they didn't win price. anything in the end but <laughs> no, they got to two finals so it, yeah. nothing's won at yeah, this point it's the the how we finish that counts yeah. in many
2: respects and you know the last nine games the team might win all the games yeah Huddersfield had a similar start last season and I you know
1: the, the, the league. The, the history is littered with teams that have good spells. Everybody will have a good spell. Everybody will have a bad spell, and mm. some teams have more than one. Mm. Uh, oh. but I don't remember uh, you know, quite a number of years ago now, but Hull, they, they had the same record. They, uh, I remember them having two wins out of their first nine games and they ended up uh, coming second in the league. Oh. Well, remarkable. Obviously, they've got a pretty good yeah. run throughout the course of the I, year. I don't think they'll
0: come second this year. No. <laughs> well, Gary, Gary well, you mentioned um, that Dave Ferd has obviously inherited a squad. How much influence did he have in, in the arrivals of the three overseas players? Was he, was he part of that? Obviously, Trent Money, Conrad Horrell, and Tewilola here coming in. Here.
1: Yeah, very much so. Uh, 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 David had coached to to a here uh, with the with the Tongan side, but that uh, that recruitment was made early on in the piece, uh, and it, and and so was uh, Conrad Hool. Mm-hmm. Once again, David was delighted with the the signing of Conrad because he coached him for Tonga, and then uh, the latter uh, signing was uh, Trent Merrin, mm-hmm. and uh, that had been on and off, uh, but uh, came together, and Dave played. Uh, quite a key role in, uh, in Trent uh, joining us.
0: And Martin, naturally, it does take a while for some overseas players to get to grips with things. I think Blake Austin put in a mesmeric performances, but that was the first time we've really seen what... Sure. And, and when you've got three big-name players coming in, it, mm. I guess there is that bit of... Bedding. I think you've it, got to be patient, haven't you? You know,
2: you can't you can't expect, for the most part, new players to come in and immediately you know, break... Mm. It's nice if they do, of course, and, and sometimes they do. But, you know, I think Trent Merrin, you know, there's been rumours about him not being particularly happy in, in England. But, you know, most players, if you ask them, are not particularly happy when they're losing matches. <laughs> so it would, it would be surprising if he were, you know, really ecstatic. Yeah. But now that I think things are looking better, I mean, Trent Merrin, if you look at his stats, Uh, for for games so far. I think he's been a very good performer, as has Conrad Harrell, you know. um, Conrad Harrell reminds me of Ben Murdoch-Musilla, a very similar sort of player at at, at Warrington. And, you know, I think he's gonna be a a, a Leeds favourite. I mean, you've watched Murdoch-Musilla a lot, presumably. Jodie, there's a lot of the uh, tongan yeah. guys are really strong guys aren't they?
3: yeah they are and, and i think that the, he's been leeds go to this season and he has created tries out of nothing yeah. i think the start of the season would have been a bit a bit <coughs> worse without him to be honest because he really can create something out of nothing and He's that go-to player yeah. for, for Leeds. He's a terrific
1: personality as well, both on and off the field. And he's uh, yeah. already both him and Trent have actually become a, a big part of the team. But I think uh, you know, I think the other thing that often gets uh, overlooked is the uh, the young players that's coming into the team mm-hmm. as well. You know, we've had three of our senior players in Carl Ablett, uh, Dom Crosby, and Stevie Ward, who really have not made any contribution at all so far. Stevie Ward's played a couple of games, but not many, and the the others have not played at all. And Jamie Jones just come back into the side. But on the positive side, we've had three young players in uh, Cam Smith, Mikhailov Adletsky and uh, Tom Hall yeah. who all played played last week and yeah. playing you know, as very young players, Academy age players are just out recently out of the academy. And that's uh, that's pretty encouraging well, that, really.
0: I think you had six players that were twenty four and under in the in the seventeen yeah. man squad on yeah. on Thursday. And naturally, what we talk about transitional periods, you are trying to bring through the next generation of youngsters Absolutely. to follow, and I but I guess that you do you do have to sacrifice some short-term results So result of that job. Well, they've
1: got to gain experience. They only, only gain experience by playing.
0: And it's quite interesting, Gary, that Ash Handley
2: is very near to the top of the try-scoring list at the moment. And. Um you know, whenever you've got a winger scoring lots of tries, it's it's a very good thing to have a look who's playing inside him. And you <laughs> yeah, know, that's you course, know that yeah. Greg Eden at Casford, you had Michael Shen, you've got mm. Michael Shenton, you know, and and Harel feeding Handley, drawing defenders in, and you know, it must be a wonderful, must be wonderful playing out absolutely.
1: Family. It's a real threat to the yeah. opposition, and that's what you've got to create.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so Gary, what would what would constitute? Uh, Satisfactory season in your eyes for Leeds Rhinos from from this point
1: onwards. Well, we have a team that want to be challenging for honours mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the league, in the cup, in the competition that we play. So uh, <laughs> you know, there isn't a, our satisfaction levels are, are pretty high. <laughs> it's not coming eleven. Know, it's, is not, it, Gary? it's certainly not uh, <laughs> bat- battling down near the bottom. But once again, you know, I think we don't pay enough respect to the other teams in the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's no it's no disgrace to get made by anybody. Uh, and uh, and that's the nature of the competition. It's now. I think it's it's the most even Super League that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, whether that continues throughout the course of the season, that remains to be seen. On the face of it, it looks as though it will. It looks as though it will. Uh, and that's a good thing for the game.
0: Jody, is is what we're seeing now. Everyone is beating everyone. Are we seeing the salary cap working as it should do now, where everyone can go to wherever and win?
3: Potentially, yeah. Um... But, again, that, that's a debate that's been ongoing for years, isn't it? And I think it, it's tough because there's the big clubs like Leeds, mm-hmm. Warrington, who've got the money to spend, who can bring in these big signings, who'll make big differences. Like Blake Austin has shown instant impact to Warrington. Mm-hmm. But there's some clubs that, that can't meet that salary cap. So it is a tough one. I think this year it's, it's great rugby. I'm not too sure whether it's the salary cap that's necessarily making that. But we're just seeing anyone beating everyone. It's been up, an
2: exciting it? season, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, really exciting. For, 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 for most of us. But um, but but when we say every team is team's beating every other team, that's not quite true, is it? Because well, there Saints, are Saints, Saints yes. of yes. course, yes. have not lost yet. And, and Warrington did lose at Catalans, but that was the only... Mm. And, and against Hull, they were absolutely ruthless and outstanding, weren't they? Yeah, and I think, I mean, on the face of it, at this moment in time, Saints and Warrington look to me to be the two favourites for both major trophies yeah
0: Yeah, Jodie on on St Helens obviously I'm sure you've watched a a fair bit of them they have been fantastic so far haven't they
3: yeah and they've looked more consistent than Warrington Warrington look amazing in spells and and against Hull they they were amazing for 80 minutes but I think that's the first full 80 that you've really seen from Warrington Saints seem to be consistent throughout the 80 in every game and you, you can still see they've got another gear to go up and I think it'll be a tough one. I think Warrington, you know, I I grew up watching Warrington as a kid. It's always Warrington's
2: year.
1: (laughs) It
3: does seem like it could be Warrington's year, but uh, who knows? And, you Mm. know, you you see ebbs and flows in the season and and it it could all change. And I think that's what's great about Rugby League as well. When we're talking about the points before, it's not done early on. And and these teams like Leeds have come back and and won the grand final from fifth a couple of times. So... Mm. You know, playing well now is great. And them to you have to admit, look, head and shoulders above the rest at the minute. Mm. But I think he's still open and and I won't be counting any chickens for either.
2: But Blake Austin just looked fantastic, didn't he, on Friday? I mean, I compared him in League Express to Brett Kenny, And, you know, in his days with, with Wigan, obviously the great Parramatta player. And, you know, I, th- I, I think the way he played on Friday, I think that's a reasonably fair comparison. Particularly one of the tries where he seemed to score from about halfway and just sort of glided through the hold defence and, and sidestep them he's got this ability to change direction you know while running at full speed mm-hmm. and i think that's an, an, a massive uh, a massive quality
3: i think it's his support play as well as the forwards mm. we see it's not your typical he's he's getting it at first receiver and he's taking on the line the forwards are playing and he's just on that he's that edge plays that tip play. He's always mm. supporting around the rook so he's he's doing everything at the minute he's busy and he's got his hands and he's involved in all the organising but also that support play which I think he looks really strong I think
0: think the biggest I was just going to say I think maybe the biggest result of the weekend was Huddersfield going to London and winning for their season and Mm. and them trying to avoid the drop and London trying to avoid the drop that was a a really important result wasn't
1: it it was yeah a really nervous trip for Huddersfield that, uh, uh, because London have shown themselves to be really resilient and capable of winning games and uh, uh, very competitive, so yeah, uh, and uh, so a good result for Huddersfield and the second uh, consecutive win as well. Okay. So yeah, I mean you know, Huddersfield are a real threat. You look through their lineup; they've some good players.
0: Talking about back-to-back wins, Martin Wigan. Yeah, it, that yeah. was a mighty result for them. They hammered Catalans. Absolutely. And, and suddenly they're putting some form together. Aren't and
2: they? suddenly you say, well, what's the problem? You know, they beat they beat Catalans forty-two nil. I thought the the interesting thing was, I mean, I, I obviously wasn't at the game, but you know, people said Hardacre, uh, he probably you know, was keen to show who was the best fullback in the game because he's not been selected in the England elite performance squad, so you know, I think he probably feels he's got quite a lot to prove. But uh, just going back to London, I was just going to say to Gary, when London beat you at Headingley two or three weeks ago, was that the lowest point of the season so far? For, for Leeds. Oh, so because... far this
1: season, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because not only was it a bad result, but it, it mm. was the manner of the result. As yeah, well, It was a game that, if you look at all the statistics, then Leeds yeah. you know, should have certainly have won the game. Yeah. Uh, credit to London, you know, they came back with two points in the last yeah. five minutes and, and stole the game. Uh, and uh, as I say, credit to them. But uh, yeah, that was a uh, particularly low point.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've got to say, that first part of this show has absolutely flown by. We're going to take a quick break, but coming up. After that short break, we're going to ask Jodie about all things the Women's Super League ahead of the big season launch. Stay right here. We'll be back after a short break. Rugby League Backchat is with you throughout the season. Right here is where you need to be for the very best debate from within the sport. Rugby League Backchat on Free Sports. Welcome back to Rugby League Back Chat. Before the break, we were talking all things Leeds and Super League. We're going to turn our attention to the female game now and the Women's Super League, because that is about to start. Jodie, the big kickoff is upon us. How excited are you for, for what is coming up and what is a very, very big season for, for the Women's Super League?
3: I literally can't wait. For me, I think even more so. I've, I've been out for pretty much two seasons with injury. I got back right at the end of last season. I came back against a strong Leeds side, actually. And... Um, so for me, I literally can't wait. It's felt like the longest pre-season ever. But the build-ups, I think you know, we've had much more media coverage than we ever had before, you know, in League Express, rugby, all of them are covering the women's game at the minute. And it's exciting, and, and the girls feel that and feel special. And, and that's driving the standards as well. They're raising the standards and the professionalism because we've got to, because we're finally getting... a bit of the spotlight we need to step up and perform now so i think everyone's just ready to do that on sunday
0: martin from from a media standpoint the the exposure has grown and grown and grown but it's becoming a it's becoming a really strong competition that people are taking interest in oh yeah i mean women's sport generally is 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 growing and
2: growing you know women's football rugby union rugby league it's 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 great to see and and certainly we've you know it's interesting actually in League Express the, the way you know our newspapers evolved we're having to cover so much more than we ever used to do mm-hmm. before it's it's uh, it's really fascinating but I think you know I, I'm, I'm really f- interested to know w- w- where all the women players are coming from because you know are, are they actually giving up other sports to, to play rugby league or are they coming to rugby league not having played any other sport at all what, what what's the background uh, of most, most it's a
3: complete Complete spread, really. Yeah. I think beforehand, because there was so little coverage and, and most people didn't even know there was a women's game, unless you were a dyad fan from your family of Rugby League where your dad takes you down on a weekend, You, it was hard to find women's Rugby League, whereas now, because it's out there and it's in the media, anyone who's got that slight interest might be like, oh, I'll maybe give that a go. So mm-hmm. at Saints, just an example, last season, we had um, an ex-Great Britain bobsleigh. Um, athlete that came down, uh, tried rugby league. Obviously, rugby union's the obvious one. We've got some rugby union players coming down, netballers. And it's it's amazing because you think the polar opposites in sports, one's completely full contact and one isn't. But the hand-eye coordination involves, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the balls that they might not necessarily have the rugby... Knowledge in terms of where they should be and what lines they should be running, but the hand some of the balls they catch that are above their head or down by their ankles are better than some of the really experienced rugby league players, so it's exciting to get these athletes into the sport. And do
2: they, when they come from other sports, do they generally want to stick with rugby league?
3: Yeah, we're, we're finding that they come in and they really enjoy it. One of the main things I think they found is it's a really welcoming environment and that team sport, I think. Stereotypically, some female sports are, are not quite so welcoming, and and rugby league is completely different. And maybe that is because it's always been such a minority sport that you've had to be. You can't you can't discourage anybody from coming no, down. You've got to be need, as well. You we know, you. Everybody's welcome. It's always had that atmosphere. So you know, it's a really nice place to be.
0: Gary, you've obviously got the the, the women's team at Leeds. How big mm. an asset have they been to to the Leeds now? Oh, club?
1: terrific! Uh, you know, we've, uh, we're really keen to promote. Uh, the women's uh, Super League team and indeed all uh, women's uh, rugby league in in, in our city. Uh, And there's a big development programme uh, in place. The Leeds Rhinos Foundation are responsible for uh, a lot of the development Uh, and uh, we've got full-time development officers now focused very much on the women's game. So the pathways now and the number of participants is growing all the time. the aspirant is Leeds Rhinos Super League team. Mm-hmm. They've been very successful, and uh, you know they are effectively owned uh, and managed by the club, mm-hmm. uh, and we see them just uh, uh, as as another professional arm of our team. We've got the Leeds Rhinos first team, we've got the Leeds Rhinos academy team, we've now got the Leeds Rhinos women's team, mm-hmm. and uh, we do, we want that to be as professional as possible. Mm-hmm. The players don't get paid. Maybe that's one. For the the, the next phase, really, absolutely. (laughs) But in terms of professionalism, you know, we want them to be on a par with uh, with our first team and academy team.
2: Gary, in ten years' time, do you think you'll be? you'll be running the women's team and you'll have three import players from Australia who mm. uh, are the female equivalent of her own. Well, we're looking so. at
1: bring a one from Australia this year in actual fact. Right. So, uh, I think I think that's once again providing opportunities for players from this country to be able to go to Australia and vice versa. So. It's, it's great sort of a, a, a experience uh, and it, once again it's sort of it's it's part and parcel of the benefits of playing rugby league.
3: Would
2: you like to play in Australia Jody?
3: I think, as, as any rugby league player, I think the idea of playing in Australia is, is definitely um, exciting and that is definitely something that I would maybe look into. But for me, I think it, it's tough because we spoke about the men's team and about how you know, you've had some quality signings at Leeds but it's not quite clicking, despite the talent. That's something I think over here we need to focus on, making the, the England women talent pool as strong as it can be. So for me, especially being out for so long, I've got to focus on making sure I'm playing as well as I can. I'm a fullback, so playing off the half-backs and and playing with my centres and outside backs, I want to really get that as strong as possible, leading into the World Cup. But for some of these young players, I think the chance to go and play in Australia, I think, would be incredible.
0: Jodie, you you mentioned the injuries you've had. I mean, you've had it very often. There are a lot of cases of that. There's some fascinating stories of of players working so hard to get back after so long out The the demands are really, really high and, and the fact that you're not full-time, unlike some of the Super League, the men's equivalent, it, it must take a lot of your bodies trying to play to the professional standard that we're all striving to get to.
3: Yeah, uh, that's one of the toughest parts, I, mm. I feel, because you're trying to get your body in, in as, uh, the best condition it possibly can be mm. for what is a really, really tough sport. And before, it, that's what's amazing about the Women's Super League. Now we've got the physio support, the strength and conditioning mm. to support to make us as robust as we can be. But before, you know, you, if you haven't got the knowledge of how to make yourself the best athlete you can be for the sport, then you might not necessarily be doing the right things. And I was out for a long time, and, and it was difficult with work, so I had a full-time job, and I was trying to go to physio appointments. Um, when I had my ACL reconstruction, I was off work for eight weeks and didn't get paid, so, you know, that's tough, and that's a barrier for women playing the sport. So the introduction of the Women's Super League, where they get that physio support, so that they're getting the right things happening, and, and it's that support around... The full-time job, rather than you know, it's two o'clock in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. You've got to get down. That that's tough. You've got to take yeah. a day off work. So everything's going in the right direction, and um, you get a lot of comments. For me, rugby league isn't a hobby, and and that that is a lot of co- you know. It's only a hobby, and Ooh. to me, it's not. It's my life, and my job's always been to support my playing. And um, so when I was out injured for so long, and I thought I wasn't going to make the World Cup, but... My world fell apart and I'm really close to Lois for at Leeds and I know she's having it tough at the minute and I'm constantly in contact with her because it is, it, it's your life and it's what you care about. So it's a really tough part of the sport and I think any athlete who goes through a long-term injury can understand what you go through.
2: You've been playing the game since you were 12, haven't you? Did, was, was it always just rugby league for you? As, as, as a younger girl,
3: um, no, and to, I, l- I tried the sport for the first time at twelve. Before then, I wasn't interested in rugby league whatsoever. I started playing at school, um, but as soon as I, I did all different sports—gymnastics, cross country, netball—I did everything. And as soon as I played rugby league, I was like, "That's it. That's the one." I just mm. fell in mm. love with it.
0: G- mm. Gary mentioned that you know, hopefully, at some point in the future, the, the women will be being paid to play. What's the end goal for the women's super league? Is it more than just it being a being a full time? job as such does it need to be more than that Do we need to keep raising the standards of professionalism as you said we have been doing
3: yeah and and <laughs> it, it it can't all happen at once mm-hmm. i think you know because it's now had the profile everyone jumps on right they should be full-time paid athletes and i think you don't have to be a rugby league expert you just have to have a little bit of business acumen to know that yeah. it's not possible the money's not there to pay these athletes and and right now it's not what the sport needs if you throw a lot of money at, at the top athletes and pay them it's not quite as strong as it needs to be at grassroots, mm-hmm. and it's, mm. we've got to grow that talent pool. But that's, and invest true, of the, that's true of the
2: men's game as well, yeah. isn't it? Let's face yeah. it. Yeah, it's yeah. invest
3: there and make make the game as strong as it can be, and then you look at top-down maybe mm. then making some stars of the game. Well,
0: how is the grassroots going? I mean, I went to Elland, my local club, and, and there was loads of, of girls' teams there, and I it, it, that was brilliant. That really caught me out. I didn't realise it was thriving as much as that. So how is the grassroots level going at the minute?
3: Last year was it was ridiculous the growth that we had last year because girls knew that there was something to aim for. There's there's really great things to attract you to rugby league before. If you had, say you were playing rugby union rugby league in school, even if you were a diehard rugby league fan, rugby union was a smart choice. There's so many more opportunities for women. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, there are... Big things to look for and achieve the international game there's so many more opportunities at that level and the 2021 world cup for anyone who's sort of 15 16 year old there's no reason why they couldn't participate in that i played for england at 17.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, emily rudd she she represented england in a world cup at, at 16 so that is actually a possibility you know it's it's a high it's a high thing to to strive for but sure. it's a possibility right now and to play at anfield Doubleheader at
0: Old Trafford. Yeah. You know, there's nothing bigger, <laughs> really, is there? Gary, just to branch off slightly, we, we've seen rugby league become a lot more inclusive recently. We've got PDRL, the Learning Disability Super League, the Women's Super League. How important is it that the sport has taken a step forward in this regard and, and made it more inclusive?
1: Yeah, I think it's certainly been huge strides. Huge strides. Wheelchair as well. Yeah, It's been hugely successful. And uh, now I think, I think that's a, a, a feature of rugby league. Uh, uh, and it's it's always been an inclusive sport. It's always been a welcoming sport. But now there's so many different sectors to it, and uh, all part of the the rugby league family. And I think it's uh, you know I think the the actual uh, uh, expansion over the last several years is quite remarkable.
0: Might be the media mogul that you are. <laughs> <All> <laughs> so, <right>. Sorry, obviously, <laughs> as we say, we've got all these various different uh, competitions mm. coming together now. What how can the media maybe improve to make sure that. The profile of wheelchair, uh, wheelchair rugby league, uh, learning disability rugby league, I'll get it out. women's suit, so how can we make sure that the profile raises more and more and more?
2: Well, by just you know doubling the number of people who are reporting it on it, I suppose, which is fine. You know, again, it, right? yes, it's 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 probably not feasible to a great degree at the moment. But uh, I was just going to come back on this thing about rugby league's inclusivity, though, because. You know, I think of all the sports that I can think of, in, certainly in this country, uh, but also in, in, in Australia, I think Rugby League has been by far the most, uh, has by far the best record of inclusivity. Mm-hmm. You know, you look you look at, uh, for example, um, you know, the way we, we've taken on board black players throughout our history when they couldn't play other sports, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the, the obvious one was Billy Boston, who was told he'd never play for Wales at, at Rugby Union and came came north and in no time at all was playing for Great Britain mm-hmm. at rugby league we we you know we've got an incredible, you know even mm, yeah, at, at, at like. Headingley, yep. you know Roy Francis was a, mm. a black coach in the 1960s yep. that seems quite incredible now you know Clive Sullivan was the captain of Great Britain in 1972 you know mm. before before any black player ever played football for England yeah, and we we've, and we've now got
1: Jamaica coming into we've the, got in, Jamaica in, coming in World Cup, coming which into the World Cup. Is a huge opportunity yeah. for but, the game
2: but it's not just it's not just in terms of black players there's a, there's a book up there the you know, biography of Ian Roberts, the first man to come out uh, as being gay, you know, back in the 1980s in Australia, you know, and everybody accepted it. It was just, you know, hardly a talking point in a way. But that's still not happened in, in yeah. most of the sports, has it? Let's face it. You know, so we've got a lot to be proud of. Now, I sometimes wonder whether we're really as, as, as uh, you know, whether whether we're as effective as we should be in promoting, you know, this, what Jody was just talking about, we'll take anybody, all they've got to be able to do is play the game, you know, to a, a reasonable standard, and we, we don't
0: really care who they are, do we? Jodie, mm-hmm. just bring it back onto women's, you mentioned the World Cup, there's all this talk about England, the men's team, building towards 2021. What about the women's? What Your goal is obviously to win the World Cup as well.
3: Yeah, that, that's the goal, and you know, people, people doubt you when you say that, because if you look on the past record, mm-hmm. it is, it's Australia and New Zealand have, have dominated the women's game, but, that's been the same for the men for, yeah, for it years so as well, yeah. and, and, it's, and it's in recent years. England men have been really strong and really dominant, and we'll all remember that 2017 World Cup final, and it was an ankle tap away. And that's where the women's game is going. We are, we're getting there, and, and right now, just, just last year, we had, I think it was 11 debutants' tour um, when we went to France for England. And we, I think that was the most convincing win I've ever participated in. Um, and I've played for England since 2009. So, yeah, France probably weren't at the standard they were, but it was so convincing. And that was with a lot of young players and a lot of debutants. So that is really promising in itself. And that's one year of the Women's Super League. All the backing and the profile that it's getting now is only pushing and pushing the sport and, and therefore the athletes at the top level higher and higher. And... I think, it was, I think it was 38-0 or 36-0 uh, against Australia in the World Cup, which everybody, you know, a million miles away you are. But then you see, you know, some of the games that we've seen in the Super League and, mm-hmm. and Catalan are getting beat 40-odd-nil, but then beat Warrington, who we've all just spoke about and said are yes, amazing. Yes. So, yeah, it, it wasn't great. And trust me, coming off that field felt awful. But at the same time, we really aren't that far away. And the strides we've made in the last 12 months... Has got, have got us really, really close. And, I, and I'm confident that even now, we would definitely compete and, and potentially beat Australia. So, in two years' time, we've got every chance. And on home soil with that home crowd, I think that's that's enough to take you there.
0: So who, who should we be keeping an eye on? You can't say yourself. Who, who no, should... I'm not going to say myself, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll,
3: be, I'll be holding on <laughs> trying to reach
0: her. I that's gone. Who should we be keeping an eye on, individual? Obviously, Georgia Roach, won the Women's yeah. of last year. Is, is she going to be up there again or are there other players emerging?
3: Yeah, Georgia Roach will be up there. She was a realist. Again, she's only young. I think she was 18, uh, playing in the Super League last year. Fantastic young talent. Um, one of the... One of the key players has, has always been Lois. Lois is, is absolutely incredible and hopefully she gets back from injury as soon as she can. She'll be a really, really strong player for England in the World Cup. Tara Stanley for Castleford, she's their fullback, which is not great for me. to play the same position, but she's incredible and has got such a good kicking game on her as well. So, you know, I, I know she'll kick on again. She was one of the um, Women of Steel uh, mm-hmm. top three last year. So there's so many to look <laughs> out for. It, it is tough to call and... I'm sure there'll be names in 2021 that right now I don't even know who they are because there's so many young girls coming up and I'm, with the development and the it's the high level of coaching. It you know, it pains me to say it's a Saints player, but Leeds are really they're really up there and they're setting the standards for across them all, wheelchair rugby league, I know they're they're right up there with standards winning the grand final and everything. So they're setting the standards with the facilities and the coaching, strength and conditioning. So that's raising the game for everybody and, and by twenty twenty one I think the current athletes and also a lot of new young athletes will be up there and competing
0: all fascinating stuff well after a quick bit ba- quick break sorry we'll get back to talking about all the big topics in rugby league stay right here for the last part of rugby league back chat Welcome back to the final part of this week's Rugby League Back Chat. Martin, I'm going to come to you first because one story in League Express was about the fact that we could be having compulsory reserve grade next year for category one uh, clubs with category one academies. Uh, Gary, I'm sure you've got plenty to say (laughs) on this, but Matt, I'm going to come to you first.
2: What's your take on
0: this development? Well, actually,
2: I'd have been interested to hear what Gary said first, really, because because, um, I know Gary's, you know, very keen on the idea that the academy is the reserve grade. Um, I've I've got to say, though, that I think, um, as I understand this proposal, and um, I'm not sure I understand it fully yet, but, you know, clubs with category one academies are gonna be asked to have reserve grade teams. Um, But as part of that development, the academy competition Uh, has been talked of as being reduced to under 18 from under 19. Mm -hmm. Which I think that makes a fair degree of sense because at the moment the academy, you you go from scholarship which is under 16 to academy which is under 19. So you've actually got three age groups within the academy um, competition. And at that age I think that's quite a tough one because you know to go from under 16 to be then playing against kids who are 19 you know bearing in mind how quickly, you know, kids grow at that age is quite a demanding thing. So I think being under 18 is more logical so that the kids who are 19 can then play in this reserve grade competition if it comes about. But I'm sure that Gary will now tell us that that probably isn't going to happen and he doesn't
0: agree with it. The floor is yours, Gary.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, we have a reserve grade and that reserve grade team is our academy. And that's where we get our players for the the first team. Uh, And... uh, I think you know the Super League clubs have invested literally millions of pounds into the academy and scholarship system over the last decade, and the standards now are better than they've ever been. Uh, I think most teams are well-coached, well-run, well-organised. The standard of academy rugby is very good. Uh, where it's lacking is we're still not getting the most talented athletes coming into our sport mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so I think that I think the the Academy is developing players if you looked you know our our best uh, under 18s beat the Australians in two Test matches last year uh, however we've still got a, a bit of a problem in that most of the players are coming from a few clubs uh, and not spread right across the uh, across the league uh, and uh, 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 but but the system is producing super League players uh, and, of course, once a player comes into our system at scholarship, they're effectively with us for five years, from the age of 14, okay. 15, and then right through to age 19, nearly 20, in the academy system. So plenty of time for us to develop players, hopefully for our Super League team. If not, not ours, then for, they populate the rest of the game. So I think the system we've got actually works pretty well. Okay. Uh, and I believe that the in- that future investment is not necessarily earmarked for host academy players in other words a reserve grade will be 20 21 22 23 year old players Mm -hmm. typically i think their investment needs to be channeled into development into into increasing the talent pools getting more people youngsters in particular playing the game Mm -hmm. so that investment needs to go into seven eight nine ten year olds and then therefore widening the pool for those that's coming into the scholarship
0: you obviously use dual registration as well you've got that relationship with featherstone would A lot of players, i have come out and said they'd rather be playing for their club rather than playing on on dual red. So surely a reserve grade in that regard would be better for what the players want, would it not?
1: Well, it's all about player development, and that's got to be number one, uh, the number one objective. And our belief is that for our young players that's emerging and becoming Super League players, for their personal development, if they're not playing in our first team, the next best place to play is the Championship. Which is a pretty good competition in itself. So these players are playing in meaningful matches in front of crowds in matches that mean something. Uh, result rather than on a park pitch playing against other trialists mm-hmm. and players of not the same abilities. So I believe that the dual reg actually is a, is a perfect uh, model for player development uh, and the the emergence of, of quality young players. Uh, and and uh, uh, and you know our game if we're gonna if it's gonna. Have to, put more investment, which it would need to do. Because if you introduce a new tier of the competition, which would be reserve grade, uh, where are those players coming from and how are they going to get paid? They're going to have to all be contracted. Uh, They're going to be competing. Super League clubs will be competing with championship clubs. They're going to have to have proper medical provision and cover and everything that goes with it. So if you're going to do the job right, there's a a huge investment
2: required. That's that's obviously correct, Gary. has the work been done to actually cost it? The, I don't believe
1: case? it has. I don't believe it yeah. is. I don't. I think there's, there's a lot of fanciful ideas being floated about. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, it's easy
2: to have an idea in principle, but you've got of, to be able to work it in course. practice. And you?
1: if we had a surplus of players, if our game was awash with players, like it is in, in Australia, then the three-tier system actually is a, is a model. Mm-hmm. But our, as I said, it's got to be affordable, and there's got to be the talent pool, and neither of those are lunch in our game.
0: Jodie, what's your take on it all?
3: It's tough, because obviously coming through the women's system is completely different to the men's, but there are some things that, especially now with the growth of the women's Super League, we've seen similarities. So there's a few clubs that are developing under-19s, and our Leeds have got one, Saints have, have now got one. Um, and then the community clubs, where they're actually getting game time, and they're competing. Like you say, the championship, it's, it's real games and you're competing, for mm-hmm. you know to win the league and and really important games where you're playing with people older and, and gaining that experience and then there's a 19 structure where they're getting that top class support in the saints environment learning mm-hmm. you know the saints way of playing through the saints coaching so that then when they adjust then into the team that's maybe an, an easier transition but it, it's a tough one because the amateur clubs are saying they should be here playing and, and we have girls that do both so they'll, they'll play 19s for 19s fixtures and they play for uh, an amateur side to get some mm. game time throughout the season. So I think, similar to what Gary said, if the cost is there to do it right and the players are there, then great. But if it's not, I think the players playing in the Championship, they're going to gain more experience and, and be able to win them big games. Where, like like Brad Dwyer, you know, he stepped up and he did it when it mattered. Mm-hmm. That's playing in big games that, that you learn to do that sort of thing.
0: Is, is, is not an argument, though, Martin, that by having... Dual region, have it So Danny Richardson's playing for for Lee at the minute. He was in the dream team last year. Simply yeah. dream team. Are you not tarnishing the integrity of the championship when players like that are, are turned up? I think Matty Smith turned up for one fixture for Sheffield last year, as mm. an example. Is mm. is the not the fear that you're diminishing the championship a little bit?
2: Well, I don't like dual registration for for, for that reason. I, I you know I'm a great believer in you know clubs having integrity and so on and. You know, when when um, Danny Richardson turns out for Lee and not St Helens, I, I think that's a, a bit difficult to really take on board for a lot of a lot of, people and why, a lot of fans. why, if
1: we're in the entertainment business, Brad, why would you why would well, not want to be in to competition? it's not just the entertainment business, you know, you,
2: it, it's not just the entertainment business. Being a rugby league fan or being a fan of a club is not quite the same thing as being you know, um, say, a, 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 a fan of, a, say, a rock music band or but something. does Rugby really fans not want to watch better quality players? Well, they want to watch their own players. They, they, they identify with the clubs. I mean, I, I got an interesting example of this recently because we actually put um, a, a shot of Featherstone on one of our front pages mm-hmm. and the t- players were actually Leeds players. It was Ashton and Golding this, this, and, yeah, you know, this guy Yeah, this guy said on Twitter, he said, you know, Seeing that, seeing that photograph, those are not Featherson players, I'm not going to watch Featherston again until you know they are genuinely Featherson players. And I mean, you know, you might say, well, that's a bit quirky and a bit extreme. But but a lot of fans are, are actually quite dedicated in that sense to their clubs and, 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 and want their clubs to, you know, have players who are, you know, committed to their team more than to another team. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, a dual registered player will be committed to his Super League team, mm-hmm. obviously much more than his team. And I know some players who have, you know, really had to go to Championship or League One clubs on dual registration, really under protest, to be honest. They, they don't want to be there, some of them, and, you know, they feel pretty angry about it and disillusioned. Whereas if they were playing for a club's reserve grade side, no, it's not that'd be a certainly lot easier.
1: Not our experience. No, well, not uh, I'm not
2: saying it's everybody's well, experience,
0: yeah. but it is some people's. And, and, without, you know, and without playing devil's advocate, there are success stories of dual reg Oh yes, there, 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 there are. There are players that have gone and played dual registration. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Marty Costello is one. He was a young Championship player of the year last year, and and then he's played a couple of games for Saints already this year. He's still playing a little bit for Lee, but there, there are other examples. Of that there are examples at Leeds as well. So, do we need to try and find a a balance Gary of of keeping mm -hmm. that integrity of the Championship but providing
1: it's not an integrity issue Uh, players can go on loan anyway you know, a, they, we've always had a loan system, so mm-hmm. players, ex- loan, 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 loans and p- players come out of contract and go join other clubs. So I don't think it's an integrity issue at all. At all. I think in, uh, player development is an important one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think, you know, as... Has oh, the, I think
2: player development is vital, Gary. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's, that's, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with you on, on that one. I mean, it's quite interesting, isn't it, to look at the, the, the England squads that were announced last week and look at where all those players come from. And you know, there are you know certain clubs that have lots of players there, mm-hmm. there are certain other clubs and certain towns and cities actually that are supposedly rugby league heartland cities oh. that have very few players there. I'm thinking of Hull in particular, you know, Hull as a, as a city should be producing far more players than it seems to be at the moment. And in
1: fact didn't produce a single player for the England squad in the Test Series no. against Australia. So no. that's, a, you know, that's a huge issue for it the is. game. It is, it is. a huge issue for the whole city yeah, yeah. and yeah. for the two cl- professional clubs. You know, and and you've, you've got to examine the reasons why that's They merge happening. their
2: academy, but it doesn't seem... I mean, you know, I'm sure their academy is well-organised, but, but you know, uh, for, for them to have to have just one academy between two major clubs, it, I think, is still quite disappointing, no matter what people so say. So the problem
1: is not there. what do they do with their 20-odd-year-old players, it's what, yeah. is why aren't the more 7-, 8-, 9-, 10-year-old players playing in that city?
0: Exactly, yes. I'd love to carry on this conversation, but we have got other things to discuss as well. Yeah. Uh, we all want to talk about Otter and New York, that um, meeting, their presentations are coming up very shortly. Jodie, what's your take on, potentially, Otter and New York playing rugby league in the British structure next year?
3: I think it's exciting, mm. but at the same time, you know, I, I'm not a club owner and I'm not someone who has to think about the, the logistics of, of how that's going to work. And I know there's a lot of talk them coming into League One, And I just don't, if you're going to do it, I just don't think that makes any sense. They've got to go into the championship. They've got to be playing Toronto. The whole point of it is that these big games and you, you get in the interest of Canada and America, well, they're not going to be interested with the greatest respect if it's a game against, you know, like badly and that sort of thing. that's not going to bring in the real big interest of them think, countries. That's a
1: really good point. Uh, I think in t- talking about the um, academy as the work being done, I, I'm not aware that uh, proper feasibility study has actually been done. So I think it, the three North American clubs offers could possibly yeah. offer huge potential for mm. the sport. There might be a lot of downsides. I don't know. I don't think that, that, I'm not aware that, that that work has been done and we need all the information to yeah. hand. Uh, but I think you know, on the face of it there is a huge opportunity for the yeah. sport three mm-hmm. North American teams I agree with you it needs to be the championship level and I think it represents a huge opportunity for championship mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to really invigorate itself there's already been significant development with Championship Rugby League the standard of it but I think for them to have three North American teams in that competition potential revenue uh, uh, streams in the future mm-hmm. potential sponsorship I think it just gives a new dynamic to the mm. sport.
3: I'm sorry, just to, on that point as well, in terms of how America, particularly, are so good at marketing sports. What we always, do, mm. everyone involved in rugby league knows it's a great sport. We, you know, when you're involved, you don't need to convince anybody. Mm. It's convincing non-rugby league people to get involved mm. and watch it. And, and America do that so well. Most of their big sports, nobody yeah. else plays, but it doesn't do matter because like, yeah. they market things so well. So if we mm. can get big names, people with a lot of money involved you know how to take the game yeah. to the next level we need to take advantage but it's got to be feasible and it's got to be planned out right now, oh do and I think the
1: interesting <laughs> thing on this it is the Americans and the Canadians who are looking at bringing it to our sport yeah. we don't you know there's not a requirement for us to have to go to New York or to uh, or mm. even Toronto to actually uh, promote the sport for them that's the interesting concept to this time so, the
2: other thing Gary though to, to think about as well um, it, it's got long term ramifications because you know coming back to super league now the current tv deal runs to the end of 2021 as i understand it so from 2022 you're going to have a a new tv tv deal hopefully we're not sure how it's going to work who it's going to be with whether it's still sky or you know multi faceted multi-facet, a multifaceted deal but we need to be planning for that course, and yeah. you know we we need to know you know, how many, how many teams are going to be in Super League well, from it, 2022? Is it going to be still 12? Is it going to be 14? Is it going to be
0: 16? If it were going to be 16, how would we select them? In that regard, when the clubs, when New York and Ottawa present to you, later this month what are you wanting to see from I'm not them? so
1: sure that they will I'm not, I mean, it, the process has been managed by the RFL I think
2: it's Championship mm-hmm. and League 1 so League. I'm, not so, so sure.
1: I'm yeah. not so sure whether the Super League will be involved so they should be because presumably these, these clubs are looking to aspire to come into the Super League so mm-hmm. the Super League needs uh, needs to have a view on all this uh, uh, and so it is. A, the process is for the game mm-hmm. the RFL to manage but also the Super League clubs to, to have an involvement as indeed all the Championship clubs to have an involvement uh, as well
0: is the speculation true that the Super League clubs are wary of having too many North American clubs long term in the competition that
1: will be a view by some be a view from, but I think, I think the problem is we don't really know we don't have any real information to hand uh, we've not had presentations uh, we don't know the facts and we don't know the potential we need a proper feasibility study uh, mm-hmm. and we've got to look at all aspects of it and I, I'm not aware that that work has been done
0: Martin, yes or no? New York and Ottawa?
2: Well, it's got to be yes provisionally to both of them, hasn't it? You know, because obviously anybody can see the advantage to having a, a, a New York team, you know, playing professional. <laughs> if you can't see that advantage, you're blind. And, and, and uh, Ottawa, I think Eric Perez made the point in, in our newspaper last week that, you know, he, he's, he's got this link now with, with this organisation that already owns three professional sports clubs in Ottawa. Uh, and you know they'd play at one of the stadiums there that that makes Lamport Stadium look pretty pretty basic, really, to be honest. Which of course it is. So I mean, it, it would be absolutely foolish. That's Ottawa was the capital of Canada, mm-hmm. so so to have rugby league being played by a professional team in the yeah. capital city of Canada, mm-hmm. yeah. you'd be you'd
0: be nuts to sort of just turn that down yeah, I, without without I analysing it properly, wouldn't you? Well, we need to wrap up there, unfortunately. That is pretty much all we've got time for this week. Don't forget that you can keep up to date with everything on this channel at www.freesports.tv. A big thanks to our guests this week. We'll be back in two weeks' time for another edition of Rugby League Bat Chat. Bye-bye for now.